Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go, wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling. We're so grateful to have you with us um, tuning in. Now, uh, this is probably falls into the category of more information than you want, but I've been reading um, Bono's, uh, the lead singer of U2's autobiography called Surrender, and uh, uh, you probably knew this if you have ever followed that band, but uh, deeply Christian-influenced, and uh, one of my favorite songs is their song 40, which is a... um, uh, uh, an articulation, a song articulation of Psalm 40. And so I've asked uh, Nick Dupuis, who's been working with us, to put that to music. So I'll share it with you in a moment. Also want to remind you that we'll be focusing on the Beatitudes uh, this week in my message. But uh, next week, we've got Laura Everett, who's a dear friend of mine and the executive director of Mass Council of Churches, who will be at our church for a, a worship, but then also for a session after church. And then she'll be joining us for meetings on Monday. And just a, an amazingly gifted preacher person of faith and communicator of the gospel. So I hope that you'll tune in either uh, at a distance virtually or in person if you're able to be with us. So now I invite you to prepare yourself for whatever word the Lord desires to impart as we listen to Nick sing U2's 40. For the Lord, He climbed and heard me cry. Lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. How long to sing this song? Sing this song How 
I've really enjoyed getting to work with Nick a bit uh, over these past few months, and I'm so glad to now be able to introduce him to you. Uh, as I said, we're looking at the Beatitudes, the beginning of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount in chapters five through seven is the entire sermon, but we're going to just look at the first 12 verses. Jesus uh, had been just, he just started his ministry and he's kind of become at this point the celebrity healer, if you will. He's been healing the infirmities of people around the region of Galilee and, and he's quite literally uh, developed a following, uh, people from all over the countryside coming to see him. And these were likely peasants, uh, uh, farmers, folks that were unemployed, people who had infirmities of different kinds. And so when Jesus preaches, at least uh, addresses the uh, beginning of his sermon, the Beatitudes, it's unclear to me whether Jesus is uh, preaching to an entire crowd of people or whether this is a private teaching uh, Jesus and his disciples about the crowd that's following them. So uh, you can kind of decide for yourself, uh, but the sermon begins this way. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then Jesus began to speak and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of uh, evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to take some time to meditate on your word. And we ask that your word would sink deeply into us and that whatever it is you want us to take away from this message, we receive from you directly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for most of my ministry, I've been encouraging people to use Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5 through 7, as a guide for their personal devotional life. And, and, and you've heard me. I, I believe that taking some time, particularly in the morning, to open your Bible, to read a little and to pray to the Lord is just the, the best way for people of faith to begin uh, to venture out into a new day with uh, uh, joys and concerns and complications and opportunities before uh, any one of us. So um, I, I do really encourage people to read that sermon just in little chunks as you go through. And uh, even if you find yourself disagreeing with some of Jesus's lessons for living in the Sermon on the Mount, it, it's it's just a wonderfully convicting and inspiring message from beginning to end, from chapter five to seven. Now, I haven't written a book in quite some time, but I have a volume coming out this year entitled Practicing What Jesus Preached on the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's how we can live into and live out Jesus's most famous and foundational sermon. Now, as, in, uh, as all in as I've been on this extended passage of scripture, I have to confess, I've always struggled a little bit with Jesus's introduction. I, I, I've never felt particularly or personally connected with the Beatitudes. And, and I, I think it's because the Beatitudes seem to me to be more poetic than practical. And, and I've always, for whatever reason, struggled a little bit with poetry, but, but I gravitate to the practical. But honestly, I also look at the Beatitudes and I've 
got to just say, I, I don't see myself in them. Personally, the first three, for instance, I don't feel particularly meek or poor in spirit. And, and, and while I've absolutely experienced grief in my life, I don't feel like mourning is a defining characteristic of my existence. And because I identify as a sinner in need of God's grace, the next four Beatitudes, they don't really connect either. I mean, I'd love to be pure in heart and unfailingly merciful and peaceful, but I got to tell you, like the Apostle Paul said, I, I feel like I fall short of the glory of God each and every day. And because I am a Christian living in the United States of America, I have never felt persecuted for my faith. So the last couple of statements of blessing don't seem to apply either. I mean, I, I really do try to appreciate the beauty of the Beatitudes, but in my own personal devotional life, honestly... I just kind of struggle to connect. Now, with that said, there have been a couple of applications suggested for the Beatitudes that I have found quite compelling. Uh, every once in a while, and you probably remember, this, some group of fervent and fevered Christians will petition to have the Ten Commandments placed in or in front of a community's courthouse, right? It's kind of this, uh, let's show the world how God intends for us to live. Uh, in an increasingly secular nation, let, let's put the commandments on display so that everyone can be reminded of the laws our justice system was founded on. Let, let, let's reclaim some space in the public square for our faith. And I get that. I get that. However, when people have lobbied for the Ten Commandments to be placed in or uh, on uh, the courthouse, other Christians have said, you know what? Instead of the commandments why don't we put the Beatitudes up, right? I mean, instead of an Old Testament expression of God's justice, why not put up an articulation of Jesus's expressed grace? I mean, wouldn't the Beatitudes be a better articulation of our faith aspirations than the commandments themselves? And, and think about how different justice might be if, if every time we walked into a courthouse, we saw the Beatitudes instead of commandments. Now, the other reflection on the Beatitudes that I've really appreciated is the idea that, that the Beatitudes, um, and the entire Sermon on the Mount for that matter, serves as the constitution for the kingdom of God. That the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes are the constitution for the kingdom of God. Jesus' nine statements of blessing serve as the basic principles and laws of the kingdom that God will establish on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, I like that. that that's good. And as residents of the Constitution State, we, we, we should be able to get board, on board with that. You, you know we live in the Constitution State, right? I'll, I mean, I, you know I'm a lover of history. Maybe you know this, maybe you, you don't. But in 1818, Connecticut ratified the first written Constitution in the world. And, and it was uh, wound up being the basis for our, our nation's Constitution. And, and one thing you may not have known is that the Constitution was inspired by the Congregational Minister, Reverend Thomas Hooker, who preached a public sermon on Deuteronomy entitled, The Foundation of Authority is Laid Firstly at the Free Consent of the People. That's when they used to have longer sermon titles. So I kind of like that. But anyway, the, the idea of the Beatitudes uh, as constitutional got me thinking, though, about the other definition of Constitution. So the first definition of constitution is the basic principles and laws of a nation, state, or social group, right? But the secondary definition is the physical, the constitution is the physical makeup of the individual, right? Mind, body, and spirit. I mean, perhaps the Beatitudes are a reminder that blessedness is supposed to be a defining characteristic of our makeup. Now, that got me thinking about Jim Cole. 
Brother Jim. We're, we're bringing on another whole new member class uh, on this Sunday, which is amazing. We've never had a winter membership class in recent memory, so it's a big deal for us. But I realize those new folks uh, would never have encountered Jim. But for years, and, and many of you know this, if, if you walked up the step of our meeting house, you'd be greeted by dear old Jim Cole. And he'd cheerfully call out, good morning, and he'd give you a handshake or a hug. And then if you asked Jim how he was doing, he would say the same thing every single time. He'd say, I am blessed. I am blessed. On good days and even days that were not so good, Jim would say, I am blessed. And in that moment, it, it, you kind of were drawn in. You were reminded that, yes, yes, indeed, God is good and life is good. And you know what? This is the day the Lord has made, and, and we're going to rejoice in it. Now, Jim's just one example of a person whose constitution, whose makeup is defined by blessedness. And Jim's greeting was a welcome reminder that we've been created to live as blessed people. That means people who recognize the goodness of God and the goodness of life and desire to share that goodness with others. You know, that really is the, uh, that's really central to the foundational call in the Bible, um, uh, the call of Abram, which I've shared with you many, many times in Genesis. Uh, God says to Abram, I will bless you. Okay, that means I'll give you good things. I'll bless you and make your name great. And then it goes on to say, so that you will be a blessing. So that Abram's blessings and his blessed life would bless others, allow good things to happen for others. See, God desires to bless us, to fill our lives with goodness, so that we will serve as a blessing to others. And, and while the Beatitudes should prompt us to recognize that God, uh, the, that the values of the kingdom of God are radically different than the values of the world, that, that overlooked and persecuted people are blessed and beloved in this life and in the next, the Beatitudes should that do that. Uh, they should remind us that blessings and God's goodness is the nature and purpose of creation. We exist because God desires us to be. You know, that blessing alone should lift our personal countenance and it should have a way of just defining our internal constitution. It should, but it doesn't always, right? I wanna share a silly little story with you that happened recently about, about forgetting blessedness, then being prompted to consider blessedness, and then in and through it all, experiencing a number of delightful little blessings. Uh, uh, blessings defined as goodness being bestowed upon us, perhaps even unexpectedly, okay? So, so just hang with me for a little bit. Um, okay, so the cable line, okay? The cable line to our house came down in that windstorm that brought trees down in our area two days before Christmas. Uh, it took me a week of interacting with Optimum's virtual assistant before I was able to speak to an actual human being. And it took me another two weeks to get someone to come out to our house. I, I think of myself as a fairly patient and rather gracious person, but I gotta tell you, I, I was downright annoyed. I was not thinking of my blessedness. No, 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 I was focused on the inconvenience of not having Wi-Fi for three weeks. So the Optimum repairman finally arrived and it's this kid in a beat up pickup truck. And after exchanging pleasantly, pleasantries, this young fellow kind of proceeds to tell me that he wasn't sure how he would reattach our line. I got to be honest, I became a tad concerned about his qualifications. I, I asked him if he was going to lean his ladder directly on our brand new siding because I didn't really want it damaged. And then he told me point blank that he didn't want to be responsible for any damage to our property. And I said, look, you're, you're, you're optimum. You're working on my house. Of course you're responsible for what you do. And he said, hold on a moment. I got to contact my supervisor. He stepped away, made his call, and then he came back to me and he informed me he didn't want to do the job. He said, I only get 30 bucks for a job like this and it's not worth it. He, he, he said that I seemed like a, a someone who was going to give him a hard time, 
Essentially, he didn't like my attitude. So he was leaving and I could call someone else. Now, there was no way I could let him leave. And I realized my annoyance with his company was prompting me to be less than gracious with him. I was not living as a blessed person in that moment. And I was not treating the serviceman as the blessed and beloved child of God I knew Jesus would consider him to be. Blessing was not defining our interaction. Thus, the interaction was not going particularly well. So I may have written a book about practicing what Jesus preached, but in that moment, I was not doing it myself. Thank God he did not know I was a pastor. So I said right there on our deck, I said, okay, hold on. Let's start over. My bad. Thank you for being here. Uh, I really need this work done. Uh, what do I need to pay you to do it and do it really well? We uh, warmed up to each other a little bit. We agreed on a price and, and then he got to work and even asked me to help a time or two. And honestly, he did an amazing job. There is about 70 feet of cable on my house and you can't see an inch of it. I was so pleased I, I paid him well above and beyond what we agreed and I complimented his efforts profusely. At that point, Cliff and I were now best friends. And he was giving me suggestions of how to enhance my Wi-Fi in the house because optimum components are of really poor quality, apparently. Cliff said that uh, he would text me the link to what I needed, and he did text me with an additional message that if I ever needed an optimum tech, I should contact him directly. I felt blessed. He felt blessed. It was indeed the door day the Lord had made, and I was rejoicing in my new Wi-Fi connectivity. Three days later, you cannot make this up, and I'm, I'm not embellishing at all. Three days later... I was having breakfast with Pastor Richard from Pivot. We were talking about life and work and our ministries. And at the end of the conversation, I asked, you know, what can I be keeping for you in prayer? You know, what can I be praying for? And Richard said, he said, as he always does, I'm blessed. He said, I blessed. You know, I know that. And then he paused. He said, but there is this one thing. It's silly and it isn't really worth bringing up. And I said, what? We, we, we pray to God about everything. What, what is it? And Richard said, you know, something knocked down the cable line off the pivot house last week, and the cable company said it's a really difficult repair. They need a bucket truck to get at it, and they don't know when they're going to be able to come out and fix it. I asked, who's your cable provider? <laughs> and he said, Optimum. And I said, hold on, give me a sec. We can take care of this. And immediately, I text my new best friend, Cliff. I say, look, I'll pay you such and such to go to Bridgeport tomorrow and fix a friend's cable line. Cliff texted back immediately, I'm busy tomorrow, but I'll come by today. I said to Richard, I think your prayer is going to be answered. Now, later in the day, I get a text from Cliff that says, this is a really difficult job, but I will figure it out. Shortly thereafter, I get a text from Richard saying, the Optimum guys just climbed the telephone pole somehow, and he's reattached the line, Wi-Fi restored. Cliff then texted me the job was done and that Pastor Richard could not be a nicer guy. I responded saying, we've done a good deed today. My last text from Cliff, thank you with prayer hands. Silly story, admittedly, but a real experience of unexpected blessing for me, for Cliff, and for Richard and our pivot brothers. So sometimes we just need a reality check. God is good. Life, even when it is difficult, is good. The fact that we woke up to a new day and made our way here this morning to this, this virtual connection to give thanks to God, that's good. We are blessed. You are blessed. Every day, every moment, every interaction is a blessing. And the Beatitudes remind us that even when we're beaten down, even when we try our best and our best is not enough, even when the world seems to get the better of us, we are blessed and beloved by God. 
We were created to receive God's blessing and goodness and to be good uh, and to serve as a blessing to others. That is our constitution. That is our makeup. It's who we are. We are blessed and beloved people. And I'll tell you, when we live as blessed and beloved people, when we interact with others as blessed and beloved people, when we meet the challenges and challenging personalities as blessed and beloved people, everything and everyone changes for the better. We are blessed to be a blessing. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Um, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that we're alive even on dark and difficult days, we thank you for the goodness that just surrounds us of family and friends and meaningful engagements and work. Uh, Lord, on those days where we have a chip on our shoulder or where when we've got a gripe or a grudge, help us to just shake it free or shake us free of it so that we can once again connect with the reality that we are blessed and that all is well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church family, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you, and have a wonderful week.